if we could ever just understand how deeply he loves us, how you know, it's no holes barred, man. He just loves you. He's not putting any requirements in it. He's going to love you unconditionally. That doesn't mean he approves of our silliness and foolishness, but he's going to love us. We talked about love endures all things. And I feel like there's some people in here today that if you could just push yourself out of the way, let yourself quit talking yourself out of God loving you. You have talked yourself into this corner where, no, I can be around his presence a little bit, but I, I just can't quite let him love me because I've just been too bad. But that ain't so. That's not how it works, and that's not the way he loves. His love can reach anywhere, any place, into any time. It can cover a multitude of sin. It can touch the coldest, darkest place of your life and fix you and change you and give you that hope again. And if you could just, for a moment before I get into my message, I just feel like we just need to lift our hands and pray one more time. And you need to just make a decision. I'm going to step out of hiding. I've been hiding from the love of God. He's trying to find me. He's trying to kick down things. He's climbing up mountains. He's kicking down things. He's lighting up places. He's trying to find me. And I keep running and I keep hiding. But it's time to stop running. And it's time to just let the Lord love you. I don't have time for these regrets. I don't have time for that shame. Oh, no. When I think about how he loves me, I'm just going to cast my care upon him. I'm going to lay it down at his feet. Oh, God. In this house today. In this house today. The Lord's in this place today. Listen. The Lord's so good, it's not enough to just be around it. You got to experience it. You got to let Him do what He came to do. It's got to be more than just a good story. It's got to be what you experience. It's got to be more, it's got to do more than just inspire hope. You've got to have hope. You can't just, oh, that would be great if it was me. It is you. Oh, that would be great if it, re- it really is like that. It's really like that. That no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how bad we feel like we've blown it, no matter how we've messed up, that God loves you and me today. You get it? If you think you're never going to mess up in this life, oh, you got another thing coming. You will be disappointed. <clears throat> but when you can just acknowledge, hey, I know that on my best day I can't do it without God. And I know sometimes I'm going to stumble and fall, but the Scripture said that He would not let me be utterly cast down, but His hand would lift me up and hold me. You've got somebody always ready to pick you up. Somebody ready to help you change your situation, to help you change your life. He wants to call you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Oh, what in the light of that love, that marvelous light. And if we walk in the light, friend, that's where you'll find those places where there is no occasion to stumble. 
You want to live your best life? Then let Him love you. Let Him help you. Let Him teach you. Let Him fix you. Let Him work on you. You can't, you, listen, you can't put on a mask to God. He sees it. You can't hide it from Him. He sees it. So just confess it. Let Him have it. Let God help you today. Let Him love you today in Jesus' name. Let go of those regrets today. Think about how He loves you. He died for those regrets. Let Him take them away in Jesus' name. Amen. Give Him a hand clap of praise in this house. Hallelujah. Thank, thankful for our choir and our music this morning. What a great job they did. Appreciate our media team and all that they do. And, and I tell you, I appreciate this church and the people. Visitors, God bless you. Glad to have you today. And thankful most of all for our Savior. What a great God. What a great God. Well, there's been a lot said and sung today about love. And I'm just going to give you my title and let you be seated so you don't have to stand any longer than you need to. Today I want to talk about no greater love. No greater love. Let's pray for the lesson. Jesus, we love you and thank you so much for what we felt in this house. Lord, I know that you love us. We can't even comprehend the depth of that love. But Lord, today I believe that you're here to help someone, to heal someone, not just physically of sickness or disease, but Lord, in their spirit, in their heart, in their emotions today. So Lord, help us, God, in this house, Lord, to receive what you've got for us, to receive that greater love. We ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone would say amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap? Give him a shout of praise before you're seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in the kingdom of God. I appreciate God's people. I do. I appreciate you. You know you're an example to the world. Maybe you don't feel like it, but you are. There's something I mentioned in our earlier service and that we keep preaching on love and teaching on love because when we finally get it, when we get how He loves, and when we get how He loves us, we're going to be unstoppable. The Bible says there are things that would come against us, but none of these things can separate us from the love of Christ. There are things that, that once we get that love from Him, once we not just uh, have it poured on us, but once we understand it and we begin to exercise ourselves, walk in that love, love of God. So we talk about, well, I walk in the Spirit. That's good because that's where the love comes down at. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. I'm trying today somehow to convey that if you can just realize how much He loves you. You know, we, we hear it, you know, all the time throughout the year, especially, you know, it starts getting in springtime and Easter starts coming around. Well, now we, we think about the crucifixion and the resurrection. We think, oh, Jesus really loved us. But... You can't wait one time a year to try to understand the love of God. You won't make it to that time next year if you don't get it now. We got too many people just showing up on the special days trying to find out and figure out about the love of God. But you're going to learn about the love of God on your worst day, not the holiday. You're hearing me? You're going to learn what it really means for him to have unconditional love when you are messing it up tearing it up, tripping up, 
falling down, walking away, turning your back, being rebellious, be disobedient. That's when you're going to learn about the love of God. We think that's when God stops loving us, but he don't ever stop loving us. He don't ever. He, there is no love like his love. And I know that it says greater love uh, has this than a, no man can have than a man would lay his life down for his friends. But I'm not preaching from that scripture today. That's not what I'm trying to get. I'm talking about that love of God for those that he's already done that for. They've already realized that. They know that God's good. They know that he's loved. They know that he's blessed them. But somehow they find themselves in a place other than where they should be. And if we can ever realize that there is no greater love than the love of the one who looks for us, than the love for the one who longs for us to be restored to a place that he has for us. If we could just realize the lengths that he would go to for us, the places that he searches for us, uh, even to the death of a cross, that's where he has gone that he might find us. You know, some people he knew, he said, this is what it's going to take, that I will have to be lifted up so I can draw all men. Uh, there, I, in other words, he said, I won't miss a one of them if I be lifted up. Yeah, you know, we, we might miss some every now and then. Maybe that's why they used to fish with a net. He said, I'm going to make you fishermen of men. And, but they, they didn't fish with a rod and a reel. They were slinging a net because I want to catch every one of them. I want to get all of them. I want to pull them in. I want the net to break because there's so many in it. And, and God said, I'm casting a wide net when I get up on this cross. When they lift me up, it's going to be for all men. Ain't nobody going to wiggle through. Won't nobody get by. It's going to be for all men. God has gone through great lengths to find his lost sheep. One writer said in Psalm 119, he said, I am like a lost sheep gone astray. He said, seek me, Lord, seek thy servant, because I do not forget your commandments. You see, this man said, I know who he is. I know his word, but I have gotten off the right path. I'm just not where I ought to be. I still love God, and it is my desire to be back, but I have gotten somewhere where I can't find my way back. I need that love of God to shine again and bring me home. It's not that I uh, don't want to serve him. I've just gotten too far away and I can't figure out. I don't know where I'm at. So, Lord, search for me. Seek me. Find me. I'm your servant. And I have not forgotten your commandments, but I just don't know how to get back. Sometimes we get so ashamed we don't know how to get back. Sometimes we get so discouraged that we don't know how to get back. Sometimes we get so far away that we just don't know how to get back. But you can't go anywhere that God cannot find you. There is nowhere that he cannot hear your voice. There is nowhere that he cannot see you. It can never be so dark that the love of God can't see you. It can never be so disastrous that the love of God can't find you. It can never be such a foreign place that he doesn't know it. God will find you. God wants to find you. Many times... We just simply don't get back because we refuse to come. We refuse to subject ourselves to the embarrassment of saying, God, I messed up again. 
Hey, yeah, again. There used to be a song that would sing, It's Me Again, Lord. You ever had to say that? Oh, not me. I'm glad I'm not like Mm-mm. every one of us. It's me again, Lord. Yeah, I know, and I know you saw it. Yeah, Lord, and I know you heard that, and I know that you saw what I did, and I know you saw my heart, how I felt toward that person. I know that even though I didn't speak it or say it, but it was in my mind, it was in my heart, and, and well, it's me again. We've got to be able to say, Lord, it's me again. It's me again. Can I tell you that God is not content with you or I being lost? Oh, he's got such a big church. It's The Bible said when they get to heaven, said it's a number that no man can even number. And, and he's got so many. He's not really worried about me. He is really worried about you. He is really worried about me. If there's one thing, he, he died to save us. He would love for us to stay saved. He'd love for us to stay in that place where he put us. He'd love for us to stay in the body. He'd love for us to keep being where we're supposed to be here. One day we're going to be there. But while we're here, he wants us to be in his flock. He wants us to be in his house. In Luke chapter 15, the Lord, it's the lost chapter. It's the chapter of the lost. And, and you find Jesus at the beginning of this chapter and he's sitting in a place and all around him are publicans and sinners. And then the religious, the Pharisees, the, the ones who are holy, and the scribes, the teachers, they're, they're all outside that circle. Get the picture. Here's Jesus. He's got a circle of people who are drunkards and harlots and sinners and thieves and all kind of things sitting around him. And those that are his children that should be just like him, they can't even touch him because they back standing there going, mm-hmm. So the Lord said, I'm going to tell a few parables about some people. And he began to talk about a man that had a hundred sheep. And in verse 4 he said, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, will not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? Not for an hour, not for a day, not for a week, but until he finds it. Let me tell you, that relationship that Jesus has with his sheep. Oh, you know, people would say, well, hey, you still got 99. That's a good herd. But he's not content with 99 when he knows he has 100 Guess what? He still has a hundred. It's just one of them has gotten lost. One of them's gotten out there in the wilderness. And I ain't talking about he's walking around the sidewalk of a neighborhood with nobody bothering going, here, little sheep, here. I'm talking about he went in the wilderness. He went looking in caves. He goes looking in valleys. He's looking through the briar patch. He's going in the bushes. He's going where there's wild animals at, making sure he's, I've got to, he knows that time could be short because if I'm not careful, if they're not careful, something could get them before I get to them. And so he endangers his own life and he leaves that flock behind, those 99 behind, just so he can restore one. 
one that's gotten off, one that's walked away. He's still part of the flock. He still belongs to that man. He's just not there. But he's still the Lord's. And the Lord is not content with him being lost. He's not content. Oh, yeah, 99 is a lot. And hey, before long they'll have some babies, I'll, I'll, I'll replace that one. He don't replace them. They're still his. You are not replaceable. You're not expendable. God loves you. You want to know where you're expendable? You're expendable to the world. The world will tell you it loves you, but it will kill you because there'll just be another one like you come along. But there ain't another one like you in the house of God. He knew exactly what he had to do to save you. He knew what he had to do to save me. And let me tell you, I, you, we mean something to the Lord. And we might as well start learning. This is how he loves us. We might be sitting in the seat, but in our mind and in our heart, we're in the wilderness. And honey, if we don't get back, something's going to get us. There is no greater love than the one who is looking for you today. He's trying to remind you it ain't enough to just know you used to belong to a flock. You got to get back in the safety of the fold. You need to get back where the shepherd can take care of you. He said, I'm going to look for you until I find you. Now, thankfully, this parable has a good outcome because he finds that lamb. This is, he ain't got a switch and whipping it all the way back. Because you can't whip and drive healthy sheep. You got to lead them. He's not slapping it and kicking it and punishing it for getting lost. It just got lost. Maybe he hung around in one place a little too long and everybody got over the hill. and He didn't know which way they went, so he went right when he should have went left. And then he went down instead of going up. And before you know it, he don't know where he's at. And all he can do is, yeah. Don't give a time frame. It just says this man will look for him until he find him. I'm going to find him hopefully alive, dead or alive. I'm not going to quit looking. Let me tell you, you can try to push him off and shrug him off, but he's going to keep looking for you. He's going to keep searching for you. Let me tell you, you might mess up. You might make a mistake. You might get off somewhere, and God will not leave you alone. He will pester you. He will wake you up. Every time, you know what? How he does it sometimes, somebody starts talking to you about the Lord. You know who that is? That's him looking for you. You flip in the radio station, and all of a sudden this song comes on that you used to hear in the church you went to. Hey, you know what that? That's him looking for you. Yeah. You see somebody posting a Bible verse or posting a, a service on, on Facebook or, or something like that. And you know what? That's him looking for you. He's trying to hit you. He don't know where he's going to catch you. Have some way he's going to get you. He's going to get you back. Sometimes them little animals can get in a place and you know what? You can't actually get in there to get them. You got to get them out. You got to get something that'll bring them out. 
So he don't know what it might be. It might be a phone call, a text message. It might be a, a, a message or a song on the radio or, or, or he might wake you up at night with a dream, but he's going to do something to try to get you back because there ain't no greater love in this world than that shepherd, than that one who is looking for you and he will never let you go. It said when he finds it, he puts it on his shoulder rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls his friends and neighbors. He says, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. That's what I was talking about earlier. It's going to be rejoicing. He said, let me tell you, even in heaven, there's joy in heaven over one, just one. You see, there might be many. And it might be a number that I can't number or you can't number. It might be a number that angels can't number. But it's all made up of one. One here, one there, one there, one there, one there, one there, one there. It's all a bunch of ones. <laughs> hey, there had to be the first one. I don't know, it don't say they got married or got married, got saved all at the same time. Somebody was the first one. In that upper room, did all 120 start at the same time? Or did it hit as it flew in there? Did one of them start speaking in tongues first? I don't know. I wasn't there. Somebody was the first one to be baptized in Jesus' name. It said that day there was 3,000. We go, wow, 3,000. Why won't that revival? It started with one. Started with just one. Somebody was the first one to step in that water. And one of, one of those disciples, somebody grabbed him and said, all right, in the name of Jesus Christ, number one, ding. I, I hope he's there, and I hope we meet him. And he can say, I was the first one baptized in Jesus' name. It was me. Probably got a name we can't pronounce. But it was one. Because there's joy in heaven over one. Because not one soul is worth losing. Not one soul is worth wasting away. Not one soul is worth ignoring. Not one soul is worth forgetting about. There ain't nobody that you ever went to church with that's worth forgetting about. There ain't nobody you ever served God with that's worth forgetting about. They ain't done nothing so bad that they're worth forgetting about. Mm -hmm. He don't forget about them. He keeps looking. I, I'm going to look until. So you say, when you keep praying for prodigals, yeah, we do, because we're going to pray for them until. We're going to keep having prodigal prayer until. We're going to keep messaging them until. We're going to keep reaching for them until. One day he'll call us out of here, and if, hey, then it's over. We won't even think about it anymore. But until that day. I've got to remember, I've got to have, oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You know what they're doing in earth? Rejoicing over one. Or in heaven, they're rejoicing over one. You know why? You know what? We ought to put all our efforts maybe sometimes into just one. We've got multiples, everybody does, that have walked away. But maybe one, one service we ought to just focus on one. And just get down and pray for one. And have about a hundred people praying for one. And a hundred people calling out one name. Until we see that one come back. And then we start on another one. And then we start, but listen, I know we think time is short. We got we to gotta work, so we pray for them all. And that's fine. But let me tell you, you don't know how you might affect one. 
that one. Is one really that important? You got to look. Pastor, some of y'all new ones here. that You don't even know some of the people that are not here anymore. But we do. And you walk in and go, wow, good congregation. They're so great and they're loving and everything. Yeah, but we're, we've got a hole. There are seats that are not occupied. There are positions that are not occupied. And, and there are, are precious, wonderful people that are just not here. And we want them back. And so I want to be like the Lord. And I want to make sure I'm looking for that one. I want to find that one. Because, hey, 99, that won't do. It ain't going, it's not good enough. I want them all back. He said, there's a woman that would have 10 pieces of silver. He said, if she loses one piece, will she not light a candle and sweep the house and search diligently till she finds it? Well, you got nine more pieces. Let me tell you this. If you had 10 dimes and you lost one, you know, you and I do, eh, no big deal for us. Unless you got to the store and you needed a dollar, then it's a big deal. Right. It'd be a dollar even. Oh, I got 90 cents. Okay, it'd be a dollar even. <laughs> but 90 is good. Yeah, but it ain't a dollar. Well, you can't give it to me for 90? I can't. Well, I, I lost a dime somewhere. Well, go find it. And when you got a dollar, come back and get this. She said, I'm not content with nine pieces of silver. This is lost in my house. This is where I live. Somehow, some way, I wasn't careful with this prize. And now something from it is lost. But I am going to light a candle. The Lord said, uh, nobody just lights a candle and puts it under under a bushel. Let me tell you, she said, I'm going to start being who I'm supposed to be till I find what I've lost. You see, we think, well, I can't do nothing until I get it all back. But she said, I'm going to light a candle and do what I can till I get it back. Oh, come on, somebody. You know how many people stopped doing what God called them to do because they got a little bump in the road? Because they had a little hiccup here, a little hiccup there? I'm not talking just continuing in, in willing disobedience. I'm talking about, well, I made a mistake. Okay. Well, do what you know to do till you get it back. Yeah. So she's going to light a candle in this house. And she said, I'm going to start sweeping out. I'm going to find till I get everything back. I'm not going to sit her because guess what? That piece of silver, it ain't going to jump back up in her lap on its own. She ain't just going to one day open the cupboard. Oh, hey, where'd you come from? It's going to stay lost. Till she searches it out. Sometimes there's things missing in our life. And you know what? It's going to stay missing until we search it out. And I'm telling you today, there ain't a greater love nowhere than when you start seeking like the Lord does. You say, you know, I care enough about what God gave me that I ain't going to let it slide. I ain't going to let it slack. Hey, if I make a mistake, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to light the candle. I'm going to turn up the heat on this lamp. I'm going to make sure I get it real good and bright so I can see where I'm messing up and I'm going to get it back. Because when I got the whole collection, then it's worth something. You know, if you got a coin collection and this one is a limited edition, it's got 10 pieces and it's worth this amount of money. Lose a piece. You can't get nothing for it. Not, not what it's worth. 
Oh, there'll be people giving you offers, but you'll never get what it's worth because it's incomplete. We will never be everything we're supposed to be until we just get it all back. Quit being satisfied with nine when you're supposed to have ten. Stop being satisfied with 99 when you're supposed to have 100. Get that love of God. Start searching it out. Find it out. That's what God's doing to you. He wants us to find it. He wants us to do it. And he says, you know what she did when she found it? She calls her friends. Calls her neighbors. Now, a lot of people won't. Oh, you mean something was wrong with you? I mean, you was missing something? Listen, the joy of being right with God and the testimony. See, see, people look at it wrong. It's her testimony. Oh, yeah, I was missing something. But God helped me find it. I could have been just no good. I could have stayed less than I should. But, but the testimony is this, is that I got it back. It's not, it's not the shame of, oh, you messed up and you were missing something. It's the testimony of, I got it back. That when I was incomplete, when I was less than whole, and it, and it, was lost, it wasn't nothing, I lost it in my house. And I, and I could have quit. I could just say, well, I'll just be satisfied. But instead, God in his mercy, let me get it back. God in his grace and compassion, let me get it back. And now I am whole. Over time, we can just say, well, I guess it'll never be found. But you gotta, that's why you got to get that made-up mind. Oh, no. I'm going to sweep the house until I find it. I'm going to keep looking. It says she will seek diligently till she finds it. I'm not playing around with this, God. I, know, I need to know what it takes to get it all back. Hello? We, we, we just... Keep hoping we're going to slip up and trip and or maybe go through our pockets in the washing machine. Oh, there it is. It says she knew that it was lost. It ain't nowhere that it ought to be. So I'm going to seek diligently. Let me tell you, sometimes it's going to take some praying and it's going to take some fasting and it's going to take a commitment and you're going to have to just tell God and sometimes it's going to be, you know what? Hey, hey, come on, go with us. I can't. Why? I'm looking for something I lost. Oh, you, you can find that later. No, I'm not resting until I find what I lost. I just, hey, look, look, we'll be back next week. Just forget about it a week. It'll be all right. No, I'm not putting it off a day. I'm not putting it off a week. I'm not putting it off a month. I, I got to get down to business. I got to find what's been lost. He said she diligently sought it till she found it. I'm not slacking up till I get everything that I had. So she said, now I've got it. Rejoice with me. There ought to be an expectation in people that come back to the house of God that we will rejoice with them. Yeah, because we rejoice with them that rejoice. They're happy that God touched them. I sure don't want to shoot that down. Oh, where you been? No. Oh, where have you been? You're back? No. You're back! That's what I'm talking about. That kind of excitement. That kind of rejoicing. I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad to 
finally have you home. I'm so glad you're back doing what God called you to do. I'm so glad you're back. That ought to be an expectation. The church should never kill that heart of that person trying to find their way home. It should never hurt them like that. The next story in Luke 15 is the story of the prodigal son. A certain man had two sons. One son, the younger son, decided, you know, hey, Father, give me everything that belongs to me. Give me my portion. Give me my inheritance so I can take off and go and, and just get out of here. And, and so the father begins to split up the thing between them. And, and it says, and not many days after that, he already had a plan on going. Not many days after that, he took off. He gathered everything and took his journey into a far country. How far? How far? Let me tell you, one step away from God is too far. But it's not too far for God. One step away for you and I from him, that's, that's too far. But there's no distance that is too far for God. God can find us. How far away will we go? Let me tell you, sometimes it's just the distance of a decision. We wonder, how did I get here? You got there one step at a time. That's how you got there. We wake up one day and go, how did I wind up here? One step at a time. One skipped service at a time. One skipped prayer meeting at a time. One day of not praying at a time. No more fasting. No more studying. It just begins to add up. And before we know it, how did I wind up here? I had what God had given me, but now I have no, uh, it, it, no access. I don't feel it anymore. Uh, you know, the things I had are gone. They're depleted. They're not there anymore. And it says this son went and he wasted his living, his substance with riotous living. This world will waste you. Listen, the world, he said, oh, they, they accepted me. Well, they accepted him as long as he had a pocket full of money. They accepted him as long as he was living high on the hog, as long as he was the, the life of the party. Oh, we loved him, we loved him, we loved him. But uh, let me tell you, that, that ain't love and that ain't acceptance because as soon as he was broke, as soon as that famine hit and as soon as he couldn't provide anything else, nobody wanted nothing to do with him. He didn't have nobody. This world will lure you in and it will just suck you dry. It will take everything that you've got. It'll use you up. It will destroy you. The Bible says that the thief, he comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But you know, a lot of Thieves, they ain't smash and grab. It's trickery and sleight of hand. It's deception. Make you feel like, oh, I'm about to, hey, if you can invest in this, you'll get three times your money back and you can put everything you got in there and they're gone. And now you're broke. Everything's gone. That's the way the world will do you. Come on, hook up with us. Join up with us. Oh, you know, you, you know you don't have no fun. All that holy rolling, Bible thumping stuff, all that quoting scripture and, and worshiping God stuff. You know, man, you, you know God loves you anyway. 
He loves us, don't he? So, hey, come on, join up with us. Come on, you're our pal. Hook up with us. But as soon as you ain't got nothing to offer, see ya. There'll be another one just like you in a little while. The world's always looking for somebody wandering away from the Father's house. And he had wasted his substance with riotous living. It said he spent everything. When he didn't have nothing left that the Father had given him, he didn't resemble anything that the Father had made of him. It said a famine came. And now he ain't got nothing from the Father, and he ain't got nothing in the world. Listen, when you leave the Father's care, it won't be long you're going to be without nothing except somebody wanting you back. I don't believe for one second that that father ever stopped praying and missing that boy. I'm sure he, he probably thought about all he had invested in that child. Oh, I had such high hopes for him. I prayed with him. I taught him. I loved him. I, and he was doing so good. And I just don't understand what happened. But, but I got hope he's going to come back. And, uh, you know, I think I'll just sit on the porch this evening. I'm just going to watch the road. I might see him. And, and I'm sure he, he would pray and then he would watch. And he would pray and then he would watch. And, and I'm sure there were people that said, look, man, you've got this great older son. He had never left you, never done nothing to hurt your name. Never, never done anything to cause you shame or, or, or anything like that. Want, just be satisfied with one. But I got two sons. How can I not love this one just because he's not here? How can I stop loving him? You know, this old saying said, one in the hand's worth two in the bush. You got one in the hand. Yeah, but somewhere out there in the bush is the other one. <laughs> and I want him. <laughs> And I ain't going to be satisfied with just, I love this one. I'm thankful for this one. But there's another one somewhere that knows where he ought to be, that knows what he ought to be doing. It said that this young man went and joined himself during this famine to a citizen of that country. And he, he, the man said, well, look, this is all I got for you. You can go feed the swine. Go feed them. And so he goes out to feed the swine. He was so hungry, said he would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine would eat, but no man would give it to him. They wouldn't even give him pig food. Oh, he was the talk of the town. He was the life of the party. And now all these people that loved him won't even, I can see him trying to reach over and maybe grab one of them husks and somebody slapping his hand away. Uh-uh. These pigs are valuable. If you die, I'll just get another one to come work, but you ain't eating their food. And so I picture this young boy curling up at night, crying, cold, starving, sick, stinking, sores, miserable, heartbroken, spiritually, emotionally drained, a wreck, feeling like he could just die. And I think about him maybe thinking how good it was at the father's house. I can see him maybe one night about to drift off to sleep and he can hear the sounds of food being made in the kitchen and he can almost smell the food cooking and feel the warmth of that house and as he lay in bed at night, his father coming in to check on him, pulling that blanket up over him a little bit and rubbing his head, I see you in the morning, boy. 
Got Fields to work tomorrow. I'll see you in the morning. Get some sleep. I love you. And just him just remembering all the comfort and the peace and the pleasantries of home. And, and it says that he came to himself. He did not all of a sudden get smart. But there was a love from the Father that even though he didn't entertain it, it never left him. And all of a sudden when he came to himself, he said, wait a second. How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I'm perishing with hunger? I, he, you know, he remembered how good it was at the father's house. Let me tell you, there ain't nothing, there is no greater love than the love of the father. Wherever you might be, and you, we think about this people, and I know it, we talk about the backsliders, those that have gone out, but let me tell you, at some point in time, every one of us in this room has had to deal with one of these three incidences. Right. Not just in, but in our own life. Yeah. We've either been that sheep, that coin, or that prodigal. Because it comes to us all. And I'm so thankful that God didn't write me off. Right. And he didn't turn it over and say, that's it, fine, whatever, go Hit the road. Get out of here. Don't want to see you no more. I'm sure that father grieved himself. And if you don't think God doesn't grieve over those that have walked away, well, he's God. He don't grieve. Yes, he does. If he would sit and weep over Jerusalem and weep at the tomb of Lazarus, you better believe he weeps over those that have walked away. David was a man after God's own heart and and it said he wept for Absalom, even though Absalom betrayed him and, and tried to destroy him and rob his kingdom. But he said, deal gently with that child for me. When they went to war and went to battle against him, he said, just be kind to my son. Don't, don't you know, deal easy with him. Deal gently with him. And, and he wept for Absalom when he heard that they had killed him because I didn't want to lose him. I don't like what he did, but he's my son. And God may not like where we are or what we're doing, but we are His children. And He loves us today. There is no greater love anywhere than that love of God. But this boy finally said, listen, I'm going to arise and I'm going to go back. It just takes a made up mind. I'm going to get back to where my father is. I'm going to get back to where I'm supposed to be. And I'm sure that as he got started getting himself together, he didn't have... Bags. He didn't have anything. He just had the, what little clothing he might have had on his back. Didn't have, he didn't have shoes on his feet. We know that because uh, when he gets home, the father said, get him some shoes. But he starts heading back, and I wonder. Maybe he knelt down to get a drink of water, and he saw his reflection. He thought, I don't look nothing like I did when I started this journey. Maybe he's... Face is drawn up. His eyes are sunken in from not eating. He's rough shaven. He's sores, blisters. Maybe his hair is coming out. Maybe he's got lice on his body. He's, he's unclean. He's unkempt. He's, he's struggling, trying to make it. And he's like, how can I go back to him like this? How can I go back looking like this? I don't even look like his son anymore. I, I'll be a servant. 
I'll just go back and tell him I've, I've sinned before you and before heaven and I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me be a servant. Maybe I'll just go and I'll just slip in and get the guy that hires a service to just, I won't even say nothing. I, they won't even recognize me. I'll just get hired and just slip back in just at least so I can have something to eat. Too many times we let that shame keep us from coming back honest. Listen, you're not supposed to be a hired servant. You're his child. You are his child. I preached one time, God will prove you wrong. You'll come back thinking this is all I'm worth, but God will prove to you when you get back, no, you're my child, and I love you. I love you. And he starts heading back down that road and and it says he arose and he came to his father's house. And I'm, I'm sure as he's walking down that road, he gets to that property line. He's probably been, Brother Larry, you know, he's probably been up and down that property all his life. And he, he begins to see the, the fields that he's worked as a young boy. And, and he knows I'm about to turn the corner to the main road, headed back to the house. And, and he has no idea that the father's looking for him. And so he's headed back to his father. And he's walking down that road and his head's down. He's just watching his feet. You know, he's, he's got his head down. He's ashamed. He knows, oh, what's, what are they going to think about me? I, but I have nowhere else to go. I don't have anywhere else to go. I've got to go home. And he starts walking down that road. And, and I don't know, maybe it's the sound of footsteps that makes him lift his eyes. As he's walking down that road, the father runs out to meet him. Maybe while he's walking, he's just like this, and all of a sudden he's just, he just hears the beat of those feet slapping that dirt road. Son, is that you? I have watched this road every day since you left because I will look for you until I knew. Uh, we heard stories. You know, the son, the older son told his dad, said, we know what he's done. He, he's abused your name. He's trashed our family name. He's wasted his life with riotous living and harlots and all kind of things. And we know what he's done. They heard what he had done. But he ran to him. He didn't run him off. He didn't run out there to say, get out of here. But instead he fell on him. I just see that son going, Dad, wait, stop. I, I'm awful. I've got sores, I'm dirty, I'm filthy, I stink, and I've been, you don't know where I've been and what I've done, and, and, and you're clean, and you're my dad, and you're perfect, and you've always loved me, and now here I am back. And it's just, and his dad just falls on him. He's kissing him, getting a mouthful of mud, a mouthful of sweat, a mouthful of stink. He don't care. Hugging him, rubbing that head, rubbing that face. Dad, you don't know, shh. Dad, you don't know what has gone on and how I've been. I'm sorry. Hey, shh. Just shh. I'm just glad you're home. But dad, look, I'll be a servant. I know I don't want to embarrass you and I don't want to be a humiliation to you and cause you trouble. Shh. But dad, I've worked with swine and things that are unclean for us. And, I, and I've done things and broken commandments and broken laws and, and just disgrace this house and I'm not worthy. Shh. I am just glad you're home. And this young man is at his absolute worst. 
And that's the way we'll come to God. I, I'm this and I'm that. And, and I believe we ought to come confessing sometimes, but, but sometimes we're not confessing, we're labeling. There's a difference. Oh, I'm this God and I'm that God. And, and, and oh, no. I tell you what you are, you're mine. You're just mine. And I love you. And I'm glad you're back. And, and, and he comes to the Father at his worst. And he comes confessing his worst. And he comes talking about how unworthy he is. And I'm not worthy to be your child. And the Father says this. Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. You sure you don't want us to just go get an old horse blanket and wrap him up and we'll sneak him in and get him all cleaned up and get him in. Then we'll put, No. I want you to take my best robe out of my closet. I'm talking about that best, beautiful, ceremonial robe that it only gets wore about once every 10 years. That, that fancy one, that nice one, that best one, is, you know, it's worth this much money. I want you to get the very best one I've got. I don't want my gardening clothes. I don't want my going to town clothes. I don't want my drawing water clothes. I want my best robe in the house for him. I'm going to give him my best because once I put it around him, it's going to cover him. And, it's, and look, as we bring him back, he said, then after that, hey, listen, I'm going to cover him because when we get back to the house, nobody needs to see what he looks like under this robe. It ain't nobody's business. He's my son. I'm the only one got any say in this right now. I'm going to cover him. It ain't nobody else's business what God does for you when you get back. It ain't for nobody to examine. Hey, take that robe off. Let's see what you look like. The father put that robe on. He said, put the robe on him. He said, now, hey, look, take this ring and let's, let's put that on there. So everybody will know you, my son, get him some shoes because now we need to help his walk. And as he comes walking back into that house with my best robe, with my ring, and with my best shoes on, it ain't nobody's business what I've done. It's nobody's business. Nobody has a say in what I restore or don't restore. He's my son. And they may not think it's fair. They may not think it's right. And they might not think it's equal. But it ain't their son. It's my son. Let me tell you, it ain't nobody else's business what God does for you when he restores you. We don't need to be trying to tell people, hey, drop that robe so I can see where you've been. If God begins to cover them and God begins to restore them, then let's just get ready to have a party. He said, but now that I have covered them and now I've got them back into the house, I got to put something in them. Go kill the fatted calf. What? The fatted calf? Hey, we got some grapes and some olives and we got some bread. But, man, you sure that, man, you know, holiday coming up and people will be coming. You, you want to kill that big, nice fat? Kill the very best of the herd. Bring the best because I got to put something back in him because he's going to need to get better from the inside out. Yeah. He's got to get better from the inside out. 
what the father put on him right then, it got him back in the house. But he wasn't going to wear that robe all the time. Eventually, he's going to have to clean up, take a shower. But, but you know what? He needs something in him. He needs something inside that'll fix him, something that'll help him. So I'm not just giving him the scraps. I'm not giving him a snack. I'm talking about let's have a feast. Let's give him something that'll give him strength. Let's give him something that he ain't had in a long, long time. How he went from desiring the husk that the swine would eat, and now he's sitting down at the fatted calf. He, man, he's got that brisket sitting there. He's got the, he's got the good stuff. He had some guy in there called Pledger was cooking brisket down there and the, fixing him a plate. He said, I know this will fix him. That's one thing I'd miss. That brother can cook. But he sat down and he got in the house. And I'm, let me tell you, sure, this is where it's so important for you and I. Because he still got to sit down in a house that he walked away from. And if he feels any resistance, anybody slighting him, being against him, he won't be there long. He'll be there for one meal. We got to have him back for more than one meal. We got to have him back for more than one meal. Listen, the father said this, and you can stand with me, honey, if you'll come. He said, let's kill the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and be merry. In verse 24, he says, for this, is, this my son was dead, and he's alive again. But he don't look like he did when he left. Not yet. It's going to take a little time. You can't expect them to come in here and all of a sudden just be exactly like they were. One service, oh, they're completely. What God fixes can be done in one service. But it may take a little time. And so he said, listen, in the father's eyes, he went from death to life. Not half dead. Oh, this is my son which was dead. Now he's just half dead. He's just a quarter dead, three quarters dead. He, he, no, he said he went complete from death to life. In my eyes, he's alive. No, he don't smell good. No, he don't look good. No, he ain't completely healthy yet either. But we're going to get him there. And one thing we're going to do is this. We're going to help him forget his sorrow and realize that he can be happy. He said he was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. It's okay when you come back. It's okay when they come back to let them be happy. Hey, you just back one service. You already shouting? Yeah, they ought to be. And we ought to have them by the hand shouting with them so they don't feel odd about it. So they don't feel uncomfortable about it. We ought to be worshiping with them, smiling at them, hugging them, loving them, making them realize that, hey, yeah, I know I messed up. I know it was terrible. I know it was awful. But see, there ain't no greater love than the love of God. A love that will say, come on back in this house. Come on back into where you're supposed to be. Come back to where you belong. 
so that we can rejoice with you. We ain't running them through some kind of program, trying to stamp them, say, all right, you got to be back just like you was the day you walked out. That's silly and ridiculous. And it ain't God. If that man was really in the condition he was in, it takes a while to overcome malnutrition, put that weight back on, to get that strength back, to get, and not only that, to get his mind back, to help him defeat the voice in his head saying, boy, you really blew it. You let your dad down, you let your father down, you let these servants down. You, you made a laughing stock of this household, whatever. He, he's got to deal with all that from himself. He sure don't need to hear it from us. Because he ain't going to hear it from the Father. Well, I want to be like the Father. I don't want to be like the eldest son that stuck his lip out and pouted and said, I'm not going in there because I ain't never left. and don't see nobody killing me, no fatted calf. Well, you live here. If you want to sit on your hands and never shout, never rejoice, never do nothing, that's up to you. <laughs> but everything I, that's in this house, it's yours. Any time, it's yours. What's stopping you from, from rejoicing? Just yourself. I ain't got to wait on the Lord to poke me and say, hey, how come you ain't jumping? I'm going to be jumping when I come in here. There is no greater love today than that love of God. So wherever you find yourself in these three parables, lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal, God loves you. And He's going to look for you until He finds you. With the altars open today, would you come and pray? I'm inviting you to come and find a place where God can touch you today and begin to restore you. Would you let God bless you today? The fatty calf has been prepared. God's not content with you being lost. He's not content with you just being out of place. He wants you back where you're supposed to be. He wants you back where you belong. Uh Praise God.
stretch your hands this way for just a moment. Oh, yeah, come on. In the name of Jesus. There it comes, Brandon. There it comes, brother. He told y'all stretch your hands this way one more time we're going to pray together the Holy Ghost is all over our sister today and it's just right there would you come some of you ladies come and stretch your faith this way this is a precious young lady precious mother we want to see God give her everything he's got for her today now right now
Why don't we all rejoice right now for our sister being filled with the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, my God, my God. My, 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 what a beautiful. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I tell you, I'm thankful for the Lord. What a great God. What a great God we serve. For these precious souls that are just, God just filling with the Holy Ghost. Yeah, great. That's, that's great. Great. You never know. You, the Holy Ghost is to whosoever. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all who are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Well, you go to school with people. And all they need to do is get somebody to tell them about it, and they'd want it. And you might just pray them through to the Holy Ghost. Somebody on your job, somebody in your family, let me tell you, God wants people baptized in His Spirit. One of the first things we ever learn about His purpose was that John the Baptist stated, I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who is mightier than I, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I would never want to stop Jesus from doing what he was supposed to do. Baptize me, Jesus, with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. So wonderful today. So wonderful today. Ain't no greater love than the love of this Savior. Praise God. We're so excited for you, Brandy. God bless you, sister. We're so thankful for you today. Hey, don't forget tomorrow night is prodigal prayer. And hey, every Monday night, that baptistry will be heated up and ready to go if you want to get baptized in Jesus' name. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, well, the water's warm. We can take care of that today, too. God bless you. Be dismissed. Hopefully, we'll see you tomorrow night. In Jesus' name.